You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome from the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert. With me is a full house, Brandon Atkins, and that's it. Yep. This is this is OG. What else do you need, though? Not. Gonna- this is going to be wild because we started this in the first couple of times out of the gate. It was just me and you hanging out. And we thought we were tearing it up. We did. We thought we were tearing it up. And then we listened to it about two months later and we were like, oh my God, why didn't Tim Cobus tell us? I'm, I have nothing for that. Well, because I'll tell you I didn't what, think it was that bad. What did, um, so I, I know where we stand with these guys now. I got Breckenridge. Uh, Breckenridge, obviously, is better than us. Dude, for um, real. And 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 he had to go overboard with it because Bricky sends a message first, and he's like, "Hey, I have a presentation for Wednesday. I can't make it up to the show." Yeah. And right a, behind that, Trent's like, "I got work stuff. I can't make it in." And. Kaplan can't just send a text. Yeah, he sends photos. Yeah, photos on the slopes at Breckenridge. Sorry, guys. And Bricky can't just Bricky just can't say, "Hey, I got a thing. Sorry, I can't do it. I have a professional basketball professional presentation that I have to to do for these folks. It's very important. I have many leather bound books. <laughs> <laughs> well, we miss all those guys. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I should reach out. Maybe we should bring somebody else in. And then I was like, nah. But you know what? This week, only two teams stand in the NCAA tournament. So it's only appropriate that the two champs in the studio are here. What do you think about that? Oh, my God. Fist bump just happened. You just appealed to my soul. I, I remember, though, when we first started doing this, taking this to a couple of different stations as we were looking for radio homes. And one of the program managers being like so it's let me get this straight it's two guys talking about sports well yeah yeah eh, no we're okay we're good, we're good. <laughs> and there well, wasn't there one it, where they're like because we do get off on some tangents man wasn't there one that was like hey you guys do talk about sports don't you <laughs> i think we we're talking about halloween candy or something like that at some point yeah well yeah. it's Hey, this is Easter weekend. Do you do it up? I know what you're doing. You're traveling. But do you guys traditionally do the big Easter lunch, get-together type thing? Because we crushed it. I'm still in a food coma right now. Well, you know, with my kids as they were growing up, we always did, even as they were old enough to – I don't want to spoil it if there's any kids listening. But anyway, yes, we used to do Easter What are you talking about? And we would do the candy and the eggs and the gifts and all of that. And that that lingered even into the beginning of teenage years for, for my oldest kids. But my wife and I were talking about it. And we've been married for six years now. 
And this is the first Easter we didn't have a big elaborate spread because it doesn't take much for us to find an excuse to just cook and, you know, have more food than any pe- anybody has got anybody having. Right. But we spent the entire weekend on the road. Uh, I think we were in the in the car about 30 hours over three days going back and forth. And I have an announcement to make, and, and I have the hats right here in front of me. And you know that our daughter was accepted to UNC Chapel Hill. She's got University a, of West she's Virginia. She's got a sticker to prove it. I guess it. it's West Virginia University. University of West Virginia and the University of Mississippi. So at this point, all three campuses have been visited. All of the factors have been weighed. And I can officially announce, hottie toddy. She's going to Ole Miss. And why? Um... That's, I mean, there's a lot of things that play in, but well, in the what, end, they the stepped re- up. They stepped up with the cheddar. They yeah, stepped the up with the cheddar. Line. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the- puff my chest out. She's going to to Old Miss Law School on a full ride. So she's so she's the Michael Porter Jr. of your household. She is the Michael Porter Jr., the LeBron James, the Kevin Garnett, and the Kobe all at one time of the household for now. She's got some little brothers and sisters coming through the pipe that are prodigies themselves. Right. And, you know, she they one of them might be the Michael Jordan. One of them keeps telling me every time I ask, I'm going to Harvard. From going to um, Harvard. From what you've told me about this scholarship that she's gotten, I don't think I would ever want to graduate. Nope. I wouldn't want to get a job. I would just stay in school and well, get that get I that did cheddar. have a conversation with her not too long ago, and she was talking about um, – Inventions, and I said, nah, "There's no attorney that's ever invented anything except another way to bill people." Right. And she's like, "No, no, 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 no. They they work along with engineers." And I said, "Well, why don't you go to engineering school?" She said, "Well, that's next." Right. I don't think you understand how this works. At some point, you've got to get a job, a job, job. But uh, no, for now, she's done what she needs to do, and no, we're I've, real proud of her. Yeah, and just to her, like lawyers, uh, had a sister-in-law who was <laughs> called me up. And we talked a little bit about business, but for 30 minutes, we talked about the kids and, hey, what are we going to do for Thanksgiving and blah, blah, blah. I got a bill for the entire conversation. <laughs> it's like a 30-minute long conversation. I got billed for it. That is So you dope. picked the right profession. I am looking as we speak at the bracket challenge that we put together. Ooh, I heard something nasty about your bracket. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there because this is never – happened to me in my life ever so you didn't win is that what you're trying to say oh my god so while you're looking for your atrocity this is the first time and i'm i'm on sports radio right so i'm supposed to know you are on sports radio some of what i'm talking about i turned in two brackets both outside of the top 50 after you know it's just a little over 100 people that were in it right something like that so i'm so far down the leaderboard I can't even find it. So let me let me help oh, you out I, there. I take that. Here, here's what's going on. I am at number 28, and I called my bracket, I better beat coin flip. The problem is the coin flip bracket beat me. Wow. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the coin flip bracket, we legitimately flipped a quarter and chose 
the coin flip bracket's correct percentage rate is 6%. And it beat me. <laughs> it beat me soundly. Well, you must have come back because David Kaplan posted something that you were dead last. I was dead last. I am no longer dead last, thankfully. Did you have Villanova in it or Michigan? What um, pulled you back? I, who knows? The fact that I, there's one in here that I, and I don't even know who did this. I've got to sort through and figure out how we can figure out the names. But, um, yeah, the bottom line is it has not gone well. And the bracket that's at the bottom, one of the couple that I beat, picked Radford to win the national championship. Holy crap. So They were close. Yeah, they were in the tournament. Right. I think they saw the tournament on television. You know, Marty Smith from ESPN, he's Radford alum. We need to have him on the show. He's like a much better version of me. You know, he sounds like a red. He sounds like a redneck like me, but he's actually smart and good at what he does. What I'm really trying to figure out is how many T-shirts we owe, and that's what I've got to get to the bottom of because I see the way these are named. We have to work on the naming configuration next time so that we can clearly identify who is who. Ryan Watts, who is in studio with us, who's running for Congress and and could become the youngest congressman in U.S. history since JFK, he actually finished fifth. Wow. And for what it's worth, his opponent, Mark Walker, did not submit a bracket. So there's that. Just well, kind of mull on that. Can I put? But fifth I, is pretty stout, and he's got Villanova as your champ. So he could move up as as high as fourth. Well, so, can I put Ryan, that in, if you're listening, kudos. Can I put that into context, though? Sure. Because there is a great deal of luck that goes into these things as well. You think? Ryan Watts was in studio with Robert Bricky, and he looks over and says, hey, so you play basketball? To Robert <laughs> Bricky. And I saw, I saw Bricky's heart melt. His whole soul started to fold in half, and I was like, I jumped in there real quick, and I was like, oh, my God, man, you need to get out of that cave that you're living in. You really are young. So I think well, he is Robert like 14 Bricky, years. Is he 14? He's like the Doogie Hauser of yeah, politics. I, man, but he's, he's a good guy. But what I can tell at this point is that we owe at least nine T-shirts to the world because Professor Trent's bracket is clearly identified Professor Trent. And the deal was – you have to beat everybody in studio. And I yep. think we had seven brackets amongst the, the group of us. So I've got to go back, though, and I've got to figure out who's who because somebody's at the top and actually in pretty good shape and has Villanova. They're in the top 10% nationally. Uh, the rest of us just suck at this whole thing. But I said the other day, I think that the fact I did so badly speaks to my knowledge about college basketball okay. because everybody agrees – this is the craziest, most upside-down tournament ever. Right. So my bad picks are a reflection of how crazy this bracket's been. I'm, so do, do I need, see what you're putting down you there. I'm like picking that? up what you're putting down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe you should be become the attorney. I don't know, man. Not just your daughter. I'm working on it. I'm well, I think the it. NCAA got what they wanted, really. I mean, I know you said off-air – Villanova, we had the Villanova discussion whether or not they're becoming a blue blood. But Michigan's no slouch as a, as a sports brand, college brand. But they got the craziness that you want in a tournament, 
And then they also got Michigan v. Villanova, the hottest team, hasn't lost since Northwestern like two months ago. And then you got the best team, Villanova, who apparently just during the course of the season, was they were just playing on cruise control. And now they've turned it on in the tournament. Well, in the last three weeks, the best team I've seen play has been Villanova. Period. Um, it was hard for me to see Kansas finding a way to beat them. But in this tournament in 2018, anything was possible. But if you're going to come out and you're going to shoot like that from three-point land and drain 18 threes in a Final Four game, you're unbeatable. <laughs> I'm not a big fan, but I actually felt bad for Bill Self. Oh, man. I, and listening to him, he was like – he started off his sentence – well, I knew about the time when it was 22 to 4 that if we just cut it to single digits by halftime, I'm like, Bill, everybody except you knows this game's over. And I don't think Villanova missed any shots. I think they hit all their shots. I think they shot 100% from the floor. <laughs> I think that's how it went. It's, um, it's unbelievable how Villanova came out and dominated Kansas – but as I sat there watching it, I was like, yeah, this is kind of what I expected. And this is the first time in weeks that I watched a ball game and be like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Villanova has an opportunity to really – they're in rarefied air at this point. Sure. They get past Kansas and now stand on the precipice of a third national championship. Of course – the 1985 game against Georgetown where they won as the biggest underdog ever right, is known in some circles as the greatest college basketball game of all time. Not here, though. No. But then you've got the championship a couple of years ago. If they win a third championship, I'm going to ask you, how many teams have three national championships in basketball? In the last? Nope, in period. 20 years? Nope, in forever. Um... I'm just going to take a wild guess without taking too much time because we're about to wrap up. I'll say eight. How'd you do that? I don't know. Is that right? Yeah. And we'll talk about those teams when we come back. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WBLZ Sports on WDCC, or you might have just gone straight to the podcast, whichever. We appreciate you hanging out with us. And before the break, Brandon said eight teams won national championships, and I can assure you fair listeners at home that there was no research went into that. He just pulled that straight out of his pants. Um, There are eight, and to show the world that you don't know, and that was a kind of a guess, an educated guess, I think is fair to say. Sure. Um, The easy ones in that UCLA, Kentucky, Carolina, Duke. Give me the other four. 
Read that list off one more time. UCLA, Kentucky, Carolina, Duke. We're the other four three. teams that have three national Connecticut, championships. There's one. Um, God, I'm running out of gas here. Three. Just give them to me. This is Indiana. Bad Indiana. Indiana's got five. They're tied with Duke for fourth place all time. Connecticut has four, and then behind them are Kansas and Louisville. Gotcha. Okay. A third national championship puts Villanova right there with three. With Is Louisville still in that list? Yeah, they didn't lose any of those. Not yet. The okay. 2013 banner, I guess, would be in jeopardy, perhaps. But I think at this point the NCAA's just moved on from Louisville, and they're like, we've kicked you enough. Let's okay. go get Arizona. You're dead. We kicked yeah. you enough. So, I think Connecticut, that's what's so sad about that program. I think they're the only one to have won three in the last 20 years. I think I heard that stat. If it's not absolutely correct, it's somewhere near there. That's what's so sad about that program. It's not 20 it's, years. They're the, la- they're the only team to win three. Nope, that's not true either. Because since 2005, which would be 12 years ago, the only team to have won three is North Carolina. And the only team, the only other team to win three in the last 15 years is Connecticut. And that's Connecticut is different from all the rest of these these teams because all of theirs have come relatively lately. The first one came in 99, then yeah, 04, 11, and 14. Yeah, that's what makes them different is because they were well, not a thing, and then all of a sudden they're a thing. They're kind of like – But wait a minute. Well, well, you say that, but how much different really are they from Duke? Because Duke's only you know been doing this since the 90s. 91 was their first one for Duke. Duke and Connecticut kind of in the same bucket. It's kind of wild, though, when you think about it and you think about Duke basketball. Duke's got five championships. Connecticut's got four True, in a very t- similar time span. It's kind if of, you throw kind of the Final Fours in there, though, you see a gap That's in true. there. And, you know, the overall championships, conference championships, and all that. I hear you. But, yeah, Villanova is on the cusp of being, I guess, I'd call. would you call them Connecticut level? If they win this one, I think I probably would. If they win it, yeah. I think I probably would. Villanova's one of those programs, you know, it's not a huge school. Um, sort of like Duke. And, uh, you know, as Duke is in proximity to Raleigh, it's in Durham, but, I mean, that's all the same thing. You right. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, Philly, Villanova, you've got the five schools there in Philly, but Villanova's not one that jumps into your consciousness. And for so long, even, you know, Jay Wright's been there 17 years. But I think to basketball heads like me and you, the guy that we identify with Villanova is Roly Massimino. Yeah. Um, and he was part of that, you know, when when all of the East Coast coaches seemed to be Italian, Roly Massimino was one of those guys who really didn't have that much success in his career, but hung that national championship banner and boom, he's an icon, sort of like – Jim Valvano at NC State. Bunch of good fellas. Bunch I can see them fellas. all in prison going. The, the key to the, the the good the key to this is to slice the onion really thin, like in the Goodfellas. Um, Jay Wright, man. Ever since the Eagles won the Super Bowl, look at what the Sixers have been, and look at now. Here we go, Villanova. Like there's something in the water in Philly Something's right now. Something's going on in Philly. That's for sure. If I'm a Phillies fan, I'm a little bit excited. You know, opening day has come. Um, there is definitely something going on in Philadelphia. And if you add a Villanova National Championship on the heels of what the Eagles did in the Super Bowl, was shocking the world. And then you look at the NBA playoffs, you're right. You know, the, the Sixers, I think at this point, the Sixers don't need to win a playoff game 
to have validated what's going on. Now, I'm sick of hearing trust the process because they've been horrible forever. So the process, I mean, eventually the sun's going to shine on every dog's butt. Well, the process has a name, and it's named Ben Simmons. That's the process. Ben Simmons is nice. Embiid now is out with a broken face. Thanks to... Markel Fultz. Poor Welcome guy, back, Markel man. Fultz. I know. <laughs> this guy's going to get run out of Philly on a rail before it's all said and done. All right, so Villanova gets past Kansas in dominant fashion, and the game was never really in question. I mean, they jumped out to about a 16-point lead right out of the gate, and it was over. On the other side, with Michigan and Loyola, that hurt me. Really? It really did. I mean, for the first – 25 minutes of that ball game, Loyola was the best team on the floor. Yeah, they and got Michigan up, just kind of turned it up. They got up like seven or nine points, right, in the yeah. first half? Yeah, and they looked like they might do it. But then as soon as the tide shifted and Michigan turned up the defense, a little bit of fatigue set in with those Loyola kids. Right. You could see that the pressure, they started to feel it too. And they just had too many possessions in the second half where they didn't even get a shot off. Right. Where that Michigan defense got turned up. And John Beeline is as good a coach in a single game as there is out there right now in, in college basketball. Uh, he made the adjustments at halftime. And kudos to Michigan. It hurts me to say that because I've it hated mean. Michigan my entire life. But Michigan's into this final. But I do think this is lambs to slaughter. I don't think they can play with Villanova. They just don't have the horses. But in this particular tournament – Anything's possible. But even in days gone by, as we've seen crazy tournaments before, in the end, the Final Four seems to sort that all out. Well, speaking of fatigue, I was fatigued of Sister Jean. I'm glad that we don't have to talk about her anymore. And I know that's awful. I know that's awful to say. But if I reach down and I'm just honest, if I had to see Sister Jean like one more time, say I'm an international superstar, come on. And you probably can because you're sports, you know, aficionado superhero. But most people can't even name one player on that team. Sister Jean stole so much of that spotlight. And it was kind of on purpose, too. It's not like she just accidentally came into the way. But, uh, you know, just the amount of people that couldn't even name one player on that team, I was kind of tired of hearing about it. Well, you know, in 2018, you know, we live – in a social media, technology, information, marketing, everything is kind of lumped together. And I don't know if you realize, but Sister Jean actually has trademarked her name and her image I know now that. at this point. Now, she says all of the, or the school says anyway, that all of the proceeds raised through Sister Jean's image are going to go to the school. Except but for the, it, what except, does it say about society? Except for the bobblehead. She's keeping that Skrilla. She did not let that go. And the, part of the reason, there's a good reason, is that they've been selling Sister Jean bobbleheads for years. And so it was set up that way. And I'm sure they sold a gazillion. But, yeah, you're right. Most of it goes to the school. And I guess just like every team that comes out of nowhere where they win, their enrollment goes way up. I mean, yeah. I could see that happening for this team. I mean, we talked about the impact it had on Butler, Florida Gulf Coast, and and what it will have for UMBC. That's the team I kind of feel bad for in this tournament is UMBC, you know, Maryland, Baltimore County, 
got the first 16-1 win ever. Right. And it's a footnote in this tournament because everybody fell in love with Loyola. So, yeah, I think – Interesting. The one thing I will say about Loyola, though, is that's the team that's got some athletes – I'll be interested to see what they do in the next couple of years. Normally, these teams kind of fly onto your your radar, and then they're out of your consciousness in a year or two. Right. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, I remember when they came in, and that program was brand new, and they kind of stole the spotlight in their Sweet 16 run. And I thought, man, they've got a winning formula here, and they haven't done anything since. So it's interesting. So you've probably heard the last of – the Loyola Chicago Ramblers. But, you know, it was nice. It was Co- fun. Coach probably getting another job offer somewhere or something that like happens. that. You know, you look at these guys, though, and I've said this before, how often do these guys at these tiny little schools go somewhere and really make hay in their next in their next gig? You know, Shaka Smart, when he was at VCU, you know, Shaka Smart really hadn't had a heck of a lot of success since then. I think he's on the right track in, in – Texas, but there's so much to this, especially when it comes to the recruiting trail and the region that you're in. You know, you can develop the relationships with, you know, with high school coaches and AAU directors and things like that in your area. And if you move on across the country, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good at that point. It's such an interesting marriage of your contacts and your alumni base and, and your school. Um, it's tough. And, you know, the sustained success usually comes in in this day and age from guys that have been stable and at their program forever. We talked about right. UConn. Jim Calhoun was there, you know, running that program forever. Loaning people money. He's a loan shark on the side. Just kidding. Um, Not kidding. But anyway, <laughs> but I, I you were talking about Roley Massimino and, and Jim Calhoun. I can see them, you know, wearing – overcoats and you know packing heat i could see them kind of saying hey hey ma can i borrow a knife i hit a deer and i need to cut it out of the grill <laughs> um but, but yeah Wright's been there jay wright's been there now at this point 17 years at villanova and we asked the question a while back well what's next i don't think anything's next i think he'll be at villanova until he's ready to go i think so too he's a philly guy man he's they love him there yeah. he's gonna win a he's lot he's got the best tailor in the country him and Tony Bennett are like models, ma- male models. Yeah, but yeah, Jay Wright actually knows how to win an important Ooh. game. Though, so there's there's the difference. I guess Michigan is now a basketball school. I did that for you, brother. Uh, let me tell you something. The guy that's got to be most tense about this whole thing, the biggest disappointed or biggest disappointment in the world, rests right there with Jim Harbaugh. Oh yeah, because Harbaugh, you know had carte blanche with that athletic department from the time that he got there. Now people are looking and they're like, dude, would it be okay if you won a big game? <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that a little bit more on the other side. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. 
It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow, but what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're not the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Are not. M2. Are not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. Sorry, Brandon. So as we record, the national championship game has not quite been played yet yeah it's over though right that's kind of what i want to do though is i want to give you three minutes to recap the national championship game in advance i'm gonna need you to get in the time machine and pretend that we're taping just after okay. the national championship game and i want to hear what i want to hear how it unfolded um it kind of goes like this um Oh, welcome to the national championship game. Tip off. Villanova gets the ball. Swish. Swish. A series of other swishes. Halftime. 20-point deficit. Tip off. Swish. Swish. Then one shining moment plays Villanova national championship. <laughs> so I'm gonna that was a student analysis, brother. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit deeper than that. I'm gonna say that uh Villanova, with their depth, works the ball inside and goes right at Mo Wagner and gets him in early foul trouble and neutralizes him because he spends half the game on the bench. Brunson solidifies himself as the player of the year and dominates from the guard position. And that's all it takes. You know, Jay Wright (laughs) – Goes on the on record as saying he's been trying to get his team to play defense all year, and one of the first times they played in conference, they had a great shooting night. And he goes, "Guys, this can't keep up. It can't keep up." But he'll admit admitted himself that they keep going in, and if they just play a a tinge, just a little bit of defense, they're virtually unstoppable at this point. I think Seton Hall gave them a scare in the. Uh, conference tournament and I think that woke him up just a little bit and without having a loss a scare like that can wake you up and now they're playing just at a high level well the story of the 2018 NCAA tournament is going to be all of the craziness in particular what happened in the south and the west 
and everything got turned on its ear. That south bracket was a mess from day one when Virginia went out. Kentucky, it looked like, had a cakewalk after Arizona went down. Cincinnati couldn't come through, and you wind up with Loyola coming out of the bottom half of that bracket. And it's funny because through all of this dust and this chaos that was created, over on the other side in the East and Midwest, you ended up with two ones in the Final Four. Yeah, it was it was a perfect mix for this tournament. Like well, uh, excitement, upsets, and then you get essentially blue bloods, two number one seeds. Yeah, you, they hit a home run. And I think at this point, Villanova has been kind of the killjoy in this tournament, as was Kansas over on the other side. Um, you know, we got the matchup we wanted with Kansas-Duke. Duke has a chance to win at the buzzer. If Duke gets into this against Villanova, you still got a premium matchup on that side of the Final Four. But Villanova has crushed spirits the entire way. I don't think it's going to stop here. I think Villanova wins this thing easily. And yeah. if they don't, this is going to be the worst show we've ever done. Well, off air, we're, I told you I was trying to come up with you know devil – Devil's advocate, hey, Michigan could do this, and I just ran out of gas in the first 10 seconds. They're not going to win. Villanova's going to win their third in you. how many years? Ten years, did you say? Well, no, this would be the this would be the second one in, what, three years, but the, the third one goes all the way back to 85. So well, I have to look – gotcha. But I think, that, I think the story there, though, is that they do join that rarefied error of teams that have won three championships. And and that would be hard for people to reconcile if Villanova wins this, that they have as many national championships as Kansas. Yeah, that's, that's hard crazy. to That's hard to wrap my mind That is around. hard to digest. Well, and also, I'll say this. I need to take a global view of all this thing. The majority of people who are into college basketball across the United States and globe, they're probably glad that either a Duke and North Carolina are not in this Final Four, there's probably been a little fatigue of an ACC team being in it. So I can see people going, okay, you know, I mean, i got to look at it. This has been a successful tournament, for sure, for the NCAA. Well, as I was getting ready for the show, because I actually on occasion do do a little research, I was looking at Villanova, and it's kind of bananas that Villanova in their history – has never fired a basketball coach. Wow. Isn't that kind of wild? That is cool. I mean, this day and age where, you know, anybody can get fired. And we were talking, I, I want to continue on that little trail, but we were talking about Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. At this point, the seat was already getting warm for Harbaugh anyway. Right. You know, in his time at Michigan, he hadn't been able to beat the teams that matter. He's put up some nice-looking records, but when you peel it back – Michigan State and Ohio State still are getting the better of him. Yep. And now you've got the basketball program who came out of nowhere to win the Big Ten championship and then carry that momentum in and in a year where everything just sort of fell their way, have found their way to the championship game. And the athletic director's got to be looking across the room like, what's up? Yeah. You can't say it's our brand, right, Harbaugh? Like, I mean – because Michigan, with the Hardaway kid, a couple of years, Michigan were, was in the Final Four not only a, in basketball a couple of years ago. Well, Michigan's had Michigan's one of those teams, man, that kind of goes through these phases. 
And, you know, you look back to the Glenn Rice, Ramil Robinson, then you fast forward and you look at the, you know, the Hardaway Junior teams from a couple years ago. The, Michigan gets the, the athletes. Right. Um, well, that's the point, they're, they're right? A, they're a quality college basketball program. Nobody's going to call them a blue blood and, or anything like that. But you're talking about a team that, that finds their way into the national consciousness on occasion. And this is, you know, this is great for recruiting, too. Well, well that's my point. Michigan does get the athletes. They're just not doing anything with them in football. Well, you know, I'm it's wondering not, which one Harbaugh is going to try to jack off the basketball roster to uh, get over there to play quarterback. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that all shakes out. But we we are assuming the national championship is a foregone conclusion and that Villanova is going to win this thing. We'll know 920 on Monday evening is the tip-off. So around about midnight, one shining moment will be playing – Annoying you to no end because you really, really have a thing for that song. The worst, the worst. But I mean, it's so bad, it's good, you know, kind of thing. The the fact that we're here together makes me happy mm-hmm. that it's just you and I for once because we don't get to do that. Um, however, I feel a butt coming. There, there definitely is a butt coming. Opening, opening weekend of Major League Baseball. Oh, no. Can we do one thing before this? Well, here's my thing. I'm not even going to do it. We're not even going to talk about baseball. We're not going to talk about Shohei Otani making his debut. We're not going to talk about the fact the Reds are 0-3. We're not going to talk about Buster Posey hitting home runs in back-to-back 1-0 games. We're not going to talk about any of that because I just don't want to put you through that. We can talk a little bit, but can I do one thing first? You can do whatever you want because we're not going to talk about baseball. I want to make an apology Oh I want to God. issue an apology to women, accept your apology. women's college basketball. Okay, go ahead. Because last week I kind of dogged it. Yeah, you did. And I have to say the women's Final Four was, is, was and is more exciting than this men's Final Four. Well, there weren't few things that I've seen lately that were less exciting than that Villanova-Kansas game. That game was over six minutes in. Yeah, in the second half, the Michigan game was over against Loyola. So, I mean, it's kind of like on both sides, you kind of knew who you were champion, and we've already said Villanova's going to walk away with this thing. You know, I'm not going to be the talking head and say, well, if Michigan plays mistake-free basketball and maybe Villanova doesn't hit, that's not going to happen, okay? So, Well, on the women's side, I think that the best thing that could have happened – for women's basketball in college is that the UConn dominance, I'm not going to say that it's over. It's paused because now you've got UConn going out in back-to-back tournaments. And it really – we love dominance in America. We also love an underdog. But at some point, it's just a little ridiculous. It just gets old, yeah. And Notre Dame beating Mississippi State on a buzzer beater is a great moment. But I go back to what I said last week. The women's game, the NCAA has done these ladies no justice. They should not be up against the men's Final Four, period. And I don't know what the thought process is, why they're so hard-headed with this. And when you look at it, you've got a window on the backside of the, of the men's Final Four you could push back a week or two weeks before you really get into the playoffs for the NBA. 
all you've got going on is the first couple weeks of baseball that nobody's paying any attention to. Why not take advantage of that gap in the calendar instead of hard-headedly forcing this women's game <clears throat> into the same box as the men's Final Four? It just you're you're just handcuffing the sport and the growth of the sport. Well, and you're you're taking something away from the participants. You are. I'm gonna need you to help me with the pronunciation. Okay. Do you want a good? Do you want to help me? No. A gunbalawali. I say Giannis. <laughs> um, we'll just call her the Mamba. She is entertaining. Um, she, you know, it says the headline. She hits the shot of a lifetime again, and it was really. I feel bad. Um, for Mississippi State because I think they've been back-to-back Final Fours and the same thing. I think buzzer beaters have, have ended their season twice in two years. But uh, I was like, the whole time watching the end of this game, I'm like, she's not getting this shot off. She's not getting this shot off. She goes all the way to the corner and gets it off. And she's got ice in her veins, and it was exciting. They even asked her, a Kobe Bryant question, she was like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about Kobe. I'm, this is my, my mama time right now, and I like that. I like, And that's more exciting than anything that's happened in the men's tournament, and nobody's watching it. So I apologize to you and Robert Bricky. <laughs> Robert Bricky. Don't apologize to me. Apologize to every woman in America. I apologize to every woman in America. I should do that anyway without even that topic. <laughs> I finally got a laugh out of Tim Copas. Um, but anyway, so you want to talk about baseball? No. Opening. No, Come I'm on, let's talk do, about I'm baseball. I'm not going to do that to you. You're not going to make me. You're not going to. You mean you don't want to talk about Judge going to center field? I know you're dying to talk about that. I'm not wanting to talk about anything. I'm waiting until Trent gets back to talk about baseball. I don't want to put you through that because we're having a good day so far. You don't want to talk. There hasn't been any elevated voices. It hasn't been any arguing yet. You don't want to talk about the new murderers row in New York? No. Nope. Come on, man. I don't Please. want to talk about any of it. I want to talk about the NBA. Okay. I guess we'll have to talk about it. By the way, I do miss you, Trent and his grumpiness. For some reason, I miss it. Like, I thought I was really getting on my nerves, and now I, I know that I can't get enough of it's it. It's just not the same without him being grouchy. I don't understand what that is. It's like Sesame Street without Oscar the Grouch. It just I'll, is not right to have one single episode without him, you know? And you're always trying to fire him. I want to talk about the NBA playoffs that okay. are right around the corner. And the first thing I'll say is that the Houston Rockets deserve all of the praise and the accolades that they're getting. I also think that caught up in that wash, I think that Harden, this is his year. Harden's going to win the MVP, and I want to know what you think about that on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? 
Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins and I are doing our best to hold this down, flying solo. It's um, it's a little wild, man. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot of pressure involved here. Can you tell I'm I'm feeling the pressure? Yeah, you are. And you know, we can we can mask it with some mindless chatter as you're thumbing through your cell phone for stats, but it's kind of hard to do when it's just me. I'm almost thinking we should bring Tim in here. I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) So you were talking about, let's see, you were talking about the Rockets and Harden's, you know, his performance and getting them to secure the number one seed in the West. So I'm interested to hear, uh, you know, I want to talk about the MVP voting. I I do. Do you want to start off with that? Yeah, I'm going to make the argument for James Harden. Okay. And statistically – Here's what you're looking at. 30.6 points a game. Five and a half rebounds. Nearly nine assists. And you're looking at the team with the best record in basketball. Now, coming into this season, I think that everybody felt like Houston was one of the two or three teams in the West who were – not even a 1B to Golden State, but we're in that group that if the wheels came off, they could challenge and make it interesting. But basically, we're in that group of three or four teams playing for the opportunity to lose to Golden State on Golden State's way to an NBA championship. Well, along the way, Golden State has been the second-best team in the West this year. Now, you have to qualify that a couple of different ways. First of all, Golden State's been there, seen it, done it, and is fearless. They feel like they can beat anybody, anytime, anywhere. So the regular season, the one seed, really not a big deal to them. But then you also have to take into account the fact that they've lost Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry for extended periods to injury this year. So they've been banged up. But to think going into this that Houston would be six games up with five to play and have secured home court advantage throughout the playoffs, I think you could have got pretty long odds for that in Vegas. Yeah, and the the odds – I knew that they would have a decline because they have the best record of all time. And once you do that, you don't really try to kill yourself coming out and doing it again, right? So there would be a decline with Golden State, but I think the Rockets also benefited 
Every single one of Golden State's stars, with the exception of Draymond Green, have been banged up for the last, it seems like, month with MCL strains and Durant taking a couple of games off and um, Thompson taking a few games off with, I guess, what was it, a thumb issue, uh, thumb issue. So they haven't really been able – you know, you can take one superstar away, but you can't take two or three away because then you're – you have one superstar or two on the floor at all times. So they were able to take advantage, and you get the number one seed. I don't know how much of an advantage that is because if you're number one, you get the Pelicans potentially. Um, could be a potential dangerous team come to get on. into. Come on. But, um, come on, come on, come on. I mean, who would you rather have, Minnesota or Pelicans? Well, it, that depends on Jimmy Butler. Is Jimmy Butler coming back? Is Jimmy Butler not coming back? Okay. Um, if it's Jimmy Butler and Minnesota, I don't want to play them at any point. Okay. Well, let's get back on the Harden thing. But is, back to the Harden. Is nine assists per game, is that good for a point guard? Is he really a point guard? I mean – That's kind I mean, of the question. Somebody's I mean, got call a, him a point guard. Does he bring it up the floor? Yeah, most of the time. Okay, that's a point guard. I mean, he's, he's, he's hitting for over 30 points a night. Yeah, right at 30. He's had some of the most spectacular nights – we've seen lately have come this year but here's my thing is you take the numbers you take the fact that he's on a team and in this day and age where we're building teams around two and three quote-unquote superstars he's on a team where the definite robin to his batman is chris paul chris paul's missed 23 games this year 23 games yeah, so it seems Chris like Paul's it. been a contributor. I don't want to take away and say, well, he's not part of the, the mix. But they're managing his minutes, trying to get him back and make sure that he can play in the playoffs. Harden has taken this team to 62 wins through 77 games. I don't see how there, – there's there may be a, somebody out there that has similar stats, but there's nobody that has similar stats that has 62 wins at this point. Well, that has done this on his own. First of all, Paul. So they sent, essentially do not lose when Paul's on the floor. So when he comes back, he is a big difference maker. Without and they didn't, a doubt, they didn't lose that many games to begin with. I think it was like fifteen. Yeah, on the they're season. sixty-two and fifteen right now. But um, look, man, I'm not going to take a single thing away from Harden. He's definitely in the discussion. He's most likely going to be the MVP. Um, I think the big feather in the cap is that everybody thought. Golden State was going to do it in their sleep, and he's managed to secure with about five or six games left. There's there are five games left for them. There's six games up, so they have home court. They've they have home court. It. It's over. Who would have thought that they would have done that with this few game, uh, this many games still left? So kudos, and it's in the West, which is clearly the hardest conference in the NBA. So having said everything that you just said, on top of what I just said. Please feel free to make an argument that LeBron James ought to be the MVP this year. Well, we'll get. And I'm stealing some of these stats, and I hope I remember most of them. But let's see, LeBron, who's got more rebounds? How many? How many rebounds does LeBron get a night? I don't know. All right, LeBron is averaging nine point one assists. Okay, which so is Harden's eight point eight. So more assists, more rebounds. Clearly, to use Colin Cowherd's words, what, clearly don't invoke that dude's name. Clearly, the you're, better you're, defender can guard any position on the floor. James Harden 
still doesn't know what defense is. Somebody needs to hand him a Webster's Dictionary because he doesn't know the meaning of the word. Okay, since you were... Since then, hold on, let me finish. You, st you asked me to talk. Okay, go ahead. We learned last year with Westbrook, triple-doubles, big thing, huh? Pretty big thing. That's what pushed him over the top. Mm -hmm. LeBron's got 16. Harden's got four. Durability. I'm just basically stealing Colin's bit. Yeah, why would you do this? That, because it's good. Because it's idiot. good. So durability, huge, right? Harden's missed nine games. How many has LeBron missed? LeBron's missed no, zero this nine. year. Nine. And he's taken two different Cleveland Cavaliers teams in one year. He's had two different teams in a single season, and he's – Right up there in the third position in the East. Oh, wait, 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 whoa, whoa. I got I to gotta stop you there. You've gotten carried away because you're saying, well, he's taking him to the third seed. Wait a minute. The third seed's not a given. There's a one – There, you've got Toronto and Boston well ahead of everybody. Toronto's going to be your one seed. Cleveland, Philly, Indiana – are all clumped together within half a game of one or a game and a half of one another for the three seed. So that's not over yet. And in that mix is Philly. Philly's like the hottest team in the East right now. So Cleveland's probably going to be the four seed. And what the four seed means in the East, right now if Cleveland were in the West, they'd be on the cusp of missing the playoffs. What did I say to begin this? All right. I said West is clearly better than the okay. East. So here's I'm going to. Do you think give you could give? Since, since do you, you didn't, look? We can compare rosters, but we've both we both said off air. There's they're kind of comparable. No no one roster is so much better than the others, right? Can we agree? It, when we're talking about which teams, Cleveland and and uh, the Rockets. Um, Nobody has I mean, a clear take, definitive advantage. Yeah, I mean, you know, on paper, yeah. going into the season. Yeah, I'd say, all right, you know, Houston probably gets the edge. What the difference is, is that the way Clint, Clipet, Clint Capella's played this year, nobody expected that. And he's played like one of the best big men in the world. And the question is, how much of that is him? How much of that's Harden and Paul? So at this point, the performance of the surrounding cast from Houston's been better. But it's a question of who's making that well, go. Dan Tony's making the news because they've already secured the number one seed, and people are saying, are you going to rest your players? He goes, I don't know where all this came from. I don't know when that became popular to rest players. We need to keep a rhythm. Exactly. You want to keep a rhythm. Do you think if you replaced virtually the entire lineup for Harden in a single season – that you could keep that continuity and that rhythm that you need to do whatever you need to do. And LeBron's done it this year with a two different cast of characters. Well, well time out. Let's, let's not forget that when Chris Paul came to the Rockets, the Rockets gutted that team to get him. At the beginning of the season? Yeah. Okay. And they've run off and been the best team in the NBA. They're going to win 65 games and be – LeBron's shoulders for the regular season LeBron's, above everybody else. LeBron's team changed at the All-Star break. <laughs> yeah, but that's because they were horrible. And Le he and, still got him in the position and to be Harden third. didn't get to God, build his I'm, own team. I love it when you make my argument for me. Yeah, the, their team is horrible. Okay. And why do we always end up yelling at each other when we talk about LeBron James? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because, you, you know, what people don't realize is that we talk at least half a dozen times a day. Yep. And if there's not a microphone in front of us, 
we we don't yell. I can't remember ever yelling at you. It's something about this power know, that we get. Yeah, you know? I feel empowered. So LeBron, here's his stat line for the year: twenty-seven point four points, eight point seven rebounds, nine point one assists. His team sits with forty-seven wins, currently hanging on to the three seed in the East. Yep. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I'll do it on the other side. If you're listening on WBCC, follow us to the internet. You can find us from the cheap seats in the iTunes store, anywhere else. We'll see you there. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, so welcome to the second hour. You're listening to us on the on the web somewhere, either WBLC or on the podcast, whichever. Again, thanks for hanging out with us. On April 28th, We'll be doing the Brick City Dodgeball Classic 2018. Six-person teams, 50 bucks a team if you pay in advance, 75 bucks at the door. Ken Britton, I want you. I, want I put you. him on notice. Yeah. I put him on notice. I'm still waiting for you to call him out on social media, and you're quickly running out of time. Well, here's the deal. He knows it's coming. He... And his lovely wife spent their two-year anniversary uh, anniversary anniversary <laughs> at the Steel Pig. What better place in the world? He says the food was magnifique, and they actually spent their anniversary in the Steel Pig. And I told him, "Thank you, but you're still getting roasted online because it's time. It's time. We're inside. We're down to like four weeks to go. We got less than four weeks for this thing." Right now, I think we've got 19 teams entered. We'd like to get that number up to 40. Every nickel we raise goes to Alzheimer's Research via the Jonesboro Rotary Club. They're making a one-time donation to the Coins for Alzheimer's Research Trust. So if you're anywhere in North North Carolina, on that weekend, April 28th, come on out. It's going to be fun. Um, I think that afterwards, everybody ought to come over and have dinner at the Steel Pig. I agree. The ownership group over there is pretty awesome. Maybe have a couple of drinks at Libations, then come on over. Yeah, most definitely. Libations will be open all day 
in conjunction with this event. So we're not going to be serving any alcohol at the event, but you can walk literally across the parking lot, have a beer, come over, get hit in the face by a ball, go back over and drown your sorrows. And yes, the chalices that you win as the champions for this, you can talk those guys into filling them up over there. Oh, yeah. You can I've done it. Out. And, you know, small world, owner of Libations, Mr. Richard Porter, came the same night to the Steel Pig, said the same thing, magnifique. When about is Jim the Calhoun coming to our restaurant? I don't know. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, just a reminder, every once in a while, you might want to snope some of our facts here on – we have a tendency to uh, come up with our own stat lines and – have a uh, our own memory when it comes to the history of things. And so I'm not to make too much of it, <laughs> but, you know, Chris was saying that Cleveland, if he was in the West, would be barely in the playoffs, barely making it. They would actually be fourth ahead of the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, but. And Oklahoma City which you were talking about Westbrook's stat line, and you're like, what about a stat line? And what about him being in the West? They'd be right there in the middle of the mix. Okay, but if you're going to invoke stat lines, and you are correct about the, uh, about the standings over in the West and where Cleveland would be, I do think it's fair to say that in the West, if they had to play that schedule, Cleveland would not be sitting on 47 wins, but that's just me talking. But when you're talking about stat lines, what Russell Westbrook is doing – is historic from a statistical standpoint. 25 and a half points a game, 25.4. He's averaging 9.8 rebounds and 10.2 assists. There's only one player that's ever averaged a triple double in the NBA. Is that correct? Is that Oscar Robertson? There's Oscar and him. He did it last year. Yeah. This is unbelievable. So, from a statistical standpoint, Russell Westbrook, and I said a couple weeks ago, Russell Westbrook, if I had to start a basketball team given age and everything else right now, Russell Westbrook's my guy. But, again, you're talking about an OKC team with three legitimate superstars on paper coming into this season because I think Carmelo Anthony has played himself out of anybody's conversation about superstars in the NBA. Carmelo has not held up his end of the bargain. But Every time point, I think about Carmelo, I, the song, damn, homie, in high school you was the man, homie. <laughs> like, he has lost it. He yes. used to be he and used he to be nice. He was awesome at Syracuse. Then he just decided to come to the league, could hit the big shots. He can't do it anymore. Well, you know? I'm hoping that the seeding holds – in terms of the four and five seed in the West, because I want to see San Antonio and OKC in the first round. I really, really, really do. I also would love to see Portland Golden State in the second round of the playoffs, which is if things ended today, that's how it would shape up. You're almost assured at this point that Golden State, assuming they get past Minnesota and Portland gets past Utah, or vice versa, because Utah and, and Minnesota are in a virtual tie for the, the six and seven seeds, that Golden State and Portland are going to get one another in the second round. That's going to be awesome. You're talking go- about a team that doesn't rely on its bigs, which neutralize takes Draymond Green out of the equation. The question is, for me, how does Portland 
covered Durant at all. But at the same time, I want to know how Golden State's going to match up against the dueling point guards in Portland because here for the last couple months, nobody's been able to figure it out. And Lillard and McCollum just seem to be alternating 40-point nights. Portland is is something else. Well, there's no fear factor. There isn't. You know, they're like they remind me of the animals on the Galapagos Island. I know I pronounced that perfectly. <laughs> Are you talking about the the lizards? The lizards that walk up to you and they're like, "What?" Because they there's never been predators there before. So they like even I don't care. Like little snails will come up and be like, "What do you want?" <laughs> Because they've never had any predators. They just haven't been there. And that, to me, are the trailblazers. They got no fear in them. They don't know any better. And they will go out there, and you got to play a team that essentially doesn't care if you've won more games in a single season. They don't care how many championships you've won. They're there to, like, do their thing. Yeah, and the Blazers have been in fuego. And here's the thing is that if you look back a couple months ago, the question was, should Portland just go ahead and blow it up and trade Damian Lillard? Lillard, I, his response has been remarkable. I tell you, if you took Damian Lillard off that team and put him on a one that's like, say that, I mean, this would be unfair, putting him on the Sixers, but if you put him on most teams, they're instantly transformed into a, like almost a favorite. Well, here's the thing with, with Portland. Portland this season added Caleb Swanigan and Zach Collins. And that hasn't amounted to much yet. But those were two big guys. And the bigs are the ones that take a year or two to develop. Lillard and McCollum are playing lights out. And they're, you know, in the prime of their career. But they're not getting toward the end of the, the their primes. I don't – I'm not as down on Portland as a lot of people were in the first place. But now at this point, if you get Golden State, Curry's going to miss. Steve Kerr says Curry's going to miss the first round of the playoffs. Is that enough for them to get beaten by a Utah or a Minnesota? Eh, probably not. No, but it can't be good for team chemistry. It just can't. Like when you start running into some of the better teams, let's just say for, you know, shits and giggles, because we're on the internet now, that they they do win and they win – they, it's by a blowout. Like, we don't even need Steph Curry. Does that introduce um, Does that introduce something into, like, oh, well, how do I fit back in? Or do you think that's even a thing, Chris? I th- it's definitely a thing. How it's going to – how the reaction is going to be is, is anybody's guess. I think that at some point this team became Kevin Durant's team. And we were saying that last year. We so were. That was an early and if, call. if there was a question after last year, I think it's been put to rest this year because Curry's been in and out of the lineup. And, you know, Golden State's just kind of done their thing. But Golden State no longer looks unbeatable. No. They don't because they've been – it's like what we said. Nobody is completely immune to, to injury. And they've been injured to the point where they haven't been able to get – they're good enough to mask it, right? They can beat most teams – with not all the superstars on the floor, but they're not the same. They don't have the same rhythm, seemingly. And I tell you, I um, I strained my NCL one time, and I'm a runner. And it took me forever to trust that thing, and that's just a strain. It's just like a strain, like you maybe a 
um, an ankle strain. Most of us have had those, but you don't trust your body for a while. It takes a very long time. And I'm wondering, even if he's healthy, is that trust? Is that something in this in the back of his mind? Like if I blow this MCL, then what? Then well, I'm out the, for the an entire season. Too is if you're not trusting your body 100, percent that's where you tend to injure something else trying to compensate. That's absolutely right. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to play doctor here and and look ahead and see if if Curry's gonna be right or if he's not. But I'm telling you that if Golden State doesn't get Curry back by the second round. Portland's going to give them everything they want. Oh, yeah. and I'm, Now, if Curry's back and they're hitting all eight cylinders, Portland's not going to challenge them. No. And it's going to be boring. It'll be. Well, let me ask you a question. Sure. There's a couple of things going on in San Antonio that I find interesting. Right. First of all, I have no idea how they're fourth in the West with this lineup without Kawhi Leonard. It's unbelievable. And I love you, Danny Green. But, you know, I mean, he's making $10 million a year. I didn't know that until I just looked at it. He's had a nice career. But – um. How are you doing it? I don't get it. And then on top of that, you have Tony Parker in public saying, "Oh, Kawhi's injury? Yeah, I had it. I had a worse one. I had the same thing, but it was worse, and I still played through it." Well, it's interesting because Kawhi, you look at him, and from the time he showed up with what he's been able to do, everybody sort of crowed about how he is the consummate team player. And you can talk about LeBron's defense. You can talk about whatever. But I think it's uh, it's arguable that Kawhi Leonard is the best two-way player in the NBA when you look at what happens on both ends of the floor. But he's always been selfless. And you're talking about a guy that's just gotten progressively better as his career has worn on through last year where even, you know, he was a serious name being bandied about when you talked about MVP. This year's been bizarre. Mm-hmm. And now the team seems to feel like, oh, he's ready to go, and he's just not. Well, you say selfless. Maybe he is. But the weird thing about him is when there's a holdout situation or I'm not playing until I'm 100% because you're going into a contact, uh, contract year, typically that person's more vocal. Kawhi Leonard I don't know if he's selfless as much as he's just a quiet dude. He doesn't Absolutely. say a lot. Yeah. In fact, I want, I'm going to be Kawhi Leonard, and you interview me and ask me a question, okay? So, Kawhi, um, what's the uh, what's the status with the injury? In scene. He's just that <laughs> quiet. He doesn't say anything. You know what I mean? Um, so, But I do not blame the man – for trying to get this money because, you know, you come in at the end of the season, yeah, they can make a push, but do you really jeopardize the amount of Skrilla that this guy could get and on his next contract? He doesn't have to be in San Antonio. Clearly there's some tension um, on that team with the coach and Kawhi for yeah, not and, playing. and who would have ever thought after, you know, Popovich and that organization being able to massage egos – you know, Tim Duncan sort of being the center of gravity there. And maybe Duncan was more a, a, the guy that made that team go than it was Pop. You know, we've talked about Popovich being one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. His legacy, there's not much can happen to his legacy at this point to tarnish it. He is what he is. But now that Duncan's out of the equation, it's really kind of disjointed out there. And we saw it last year with LaMarcus Aldridge. There was the beef back and forth with Popovich. And then out of nowhere, after trying to trade him everywhere, 
well, we're going to sign LaMarcus Aldridge to an well, extension. And, and now this with Kawhi Leonard, this whole thing is just weird. Well, and I also think that it's – well, we'll hit it on the other yeah, side, we will. won't we? Thanks for hanging out. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. We're talking about Kawhi Leonard right now. And I guess the question is, first of all, minus Kawhi Leonard, if things stand the way they are right now in the West, can San Antonio get through the first round against Oklahoma City? That's my first question. With LaMarcus Aldridge and a bunch of old men, what are their chances against Russell Westbrook? Again, San Antonio is such a weird team, it's hard to say. Like, I mean, obviously, if you've got Westbrook playing at the highest level, nobody could really guard him, right? So the obvious answer is OKC would win that series probably in six. But I'm just learned through experience, regardless who they have on the floor, to not bet against San Antonio. It's just the strangest thing ever. And back to my point before I was trying to uh, – before we hit the break – it, if you're David Robinson and you're a household name, even basketball fans didn't even know David Robinson, you have so much endorsement money coming in, it's easier to take less to build a team. Even though Duncan was kind of a boring player in many ways, he had so much success, he had so many endorsements, it's easier to take less money. Nobody knows who Kawhi Leonard is except for NBA fans. And I don't blame him. If he's a quiet kind of guy, doesn't get out, he's not, you know, very – he doesn't move the needle with sales and stuff like that. I don't blame him, you know, getting completely healthy and getting that contract because you only got a couple of opportunities to, to do it. That's true. And, we're and you know, maybe we've got this all wrong. Maybe this hasn't got anything to do with money. Maybe it is just a matter of trust because, remember, he was hurt coming into the season. He came back and immediately was out again. And maybe he just wants to make sure – and, and looks at it and says, you know what, we're going to get into the playoffs. Let me get right. So maybe he's going to, you know, pull his jersey out of the rafters, you know, come out with a cape on and in the playoffs lock it down. I don't know. But the whole thing has just been bizarre. And you have to wonder what it's doing to the psyche of the team, how the chemistry is going to be when he gets back, and how effective he's going to be back. Because he may be the greatest defender in the NBA right now when it comes to, you know, guarding swingmen or guards. If you want to come in cold and check Westbrook 40 minutes a night, you better be ready. And that's – I'm going to tell you, I think that OKC gets past them. You don't think you could just roll out Ginobili on him? You can roll out Ginobili for about 10 more minutes. 
Is he 80 years old? He is 77. I I don't know how Ginobili continues. And when to I do say this. when I say roll out, I meant like really roll out, like in a wheelchair, like Sister like, Jean style. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that San Antonio staring down the barrel of is that Parker and Ginobili. I said last year I thought that they ought to push Parker out the door and right. encourage him to retire, and I was surprised that Ginobili came back at all. And I thought that that money could have been used to go get specifically Kyle Lowry and bring him down to San Antonio. They decided to roll one more time with what they've got. Yeah, but they signed Aldridge to the extension. They knew that Kawhi's contract was coming up. So this year, you got to think that Parker and Ginobili are out of the out of the mix. They don't have a lot of bad money committed anywhere. So San Antonio is probably the best payday for Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, but Parker. I don't know. It's it's impossible to know where he stands with any of this because he's just not going to talk about it. Parker is the only place you make any space with. Ginobili gets paid about two point five million, which is peanuts, and that's basically what he he gives them. He gives you the eight to nine points per game. So I agree with you. I thought, and I know why they're hanging on because they're the last known remnants from the San Antonio way teams yeah. of the past. And they're barely hanging on. Tony Parker still got something left in the tank, but yeah, not this much. is probably, yeah, not much. You're right, and that's the thing. Maybe Tony Parker should not have commented on Kawhi's injury like that. And I'm shocked that he did because Parker, you know, the only thing we've ever known Parker to do in the press is you know dump Eva Longoria. What an idiot! Uh, right? How, good God! Anyway, so anyway. I, so we're of the same mind. So let's say if if Kawhi doesn't come back, you're I'm, taking OKC in six. Okay. If he does come back, is that enough to get San Antonio through the first round? I do think so. Okay. If he's right, like, I mean, that's, again, we were talking about with Steph Curry. He's got to trust his body parts. You know, basketball players, football players play injured all the time. Um they hide injuries and stuff like that. Basketball players, where you got to have the same kind of rhythm. I'm not saying trying to take anything away from football players, but you're tackling, you're hitting, um, except if you're the quarterback, you can still catch the ball as a receiver banged up. But you got to have a certain rhythm on your shot and a trust on your body parts. And if it's not there, you're going to be off. Yeah. Not to mention the fatigue factor. Um, because, it, you know, I used to say all the time, coming out of soccer season, going into basketball season, I'm like in the best shape. I'm I'm good. Basketball shape's different than soccer shape and vice versa. And, you know, I don't care how many treadmills he's on, if how many laps, how many weights. It's just not the same with that lateral movement. I can dig it. Um, so, uh, go ahead. In the, in the first round, as it stands today, you've got Portland, Utah. And I think that if you want to see good guard play, that's, that's the series you need to be checking out. Utah – I'm excited for the playoffs because America, I would venture to say 95% of basketball fans in America have not seen Donovan Mitchell play this year. That's right. And Donovan Mitchell, no offense, not taking anything in the world away from Ben Simmons. Donovan Mitchell should be the rookie of the year, period. Lights out. End of discussion. The triple doubles for Ben Simmons are nice. What Donovan Mitchell has done as a rookie – 
is establish himself as a legit star in the league. Donovan Mitchell, for me, is the rookie of the year, and it's not even close. I think it's close, but it's kind of hard to argue. I think the thing that jumps off the page is that he's not a big guy, and he nope. still gets his shot anytime he wants And will take it to the 10 and throw it down. Donovan I don't know. Mitchell has legit star power. Who would you take, though, between the two? At this point – I know it's a different conversation. I'd it is take a different ben- conversation, and I think I would take Simmons because Simmons is a matchup nightmare because of his size. However, if Simmons doesn't develop a jumper, Simmons will not be a superstar in the NBA. I agree, but if he does, if he he's going to be the most unstoppable player in the if, league. If, if Simmons over the next two years develops a legitimate jump shot, he's one of the best five players in the NBA. I don't think you can get any argument. Plus, the last game I watched, they didn't know what to do with them. And that's even without a jump shot. You're you're talking about a kid that's just too big to be a point guard. You've got nothing for him. And And in this day and age where all of the offense runs through the point guard, not in the way we grew up with where they're going to distribute the ball, but where the offense starts with the point guard and you have to guard that shot, you have to guard them going to the lane, that's what your point guards are. Ben Simmons is an aberration yeah, because he's huge. Well, I think the thing that jumps off the page for both players is that both of them are in their quote-unquote first years. Yeah. But they're both playing like they're five or six years in the league. They don't play like rookies. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, I'm making the joke. You know, his, oh, I, is, I got you. And, and I, you know, I've joked about that too, that Simmons to me is not a rookie because he was on the payroll last year. But I get, and I'm not. That's not a factor in this. When I've watched both of those guys play, they are both extremely talented guys. But you ask the question, well, if Ben Simmons fill in the blank, well, here's my thing: when Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's going to be better than both of them. I really, honestly, truly, in my heart of hearts, believe that Jason Tatum right now, if he was getting more minutes and the offense, if he was a, a higher option or a lower option in that offense, Jason Tatum would be putting up stat lines. That's the be, thing. On Celtics, they need to start handing the reins over to him. Like, well, I mean, it's going to be interesting as the playoffs unfold with all the injuries that they're dealing with, where the offense is going to come from there. Jason Tatum is silky smooth, and I really think Tatum is going to be all that. But here's the thing, is that Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum are pretty much the same size. Yeah. And what Simmons can do is unbelievable. So it's a, it's an interesting thing, it's but I, for me, slowly Donovan the, Mitchell, and when we talk about you know LeBron or Harden or Durant or whatever, it's all it's always well who's around them, dude. Take a look at that Utah roster, and Utah's in there sitting as a as a five or a six seed right now. Donovan Mitchell and a cast of you don't think Tony Bradley tips the scale? Joe Ingles, come on, man! That, I mean, that really, Utah team is not scaring anybody. Mitchell coming in there, being in the mix, he's been the difference maker. Bradley couldn't even start at Carolina, man. I mean, right. he was like our sixth man. So, yeah, I mean, who do you got? Who? Do, I mean, I'm looking at the roster right now. Nothing jumps off the page. I mean, I under I know that they got John Stockton's son. <laughs> but I've forgotten about that. But really, I agree with you. He's doing it with not much around him. Yeah, I mean, you've got Jay Crowder that they picked up in the Rodney Hood deal that couldn't get on the floor and do anything for Cleveland. Um, 
you know, favors. Gobert is a is a difference maker on defense in particular. But you're just looking at a, a roster that's just not scaring Ricky, anybody. Rubio. Yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, and it is interesting that David Stockton, who's bounced around the league here for the last couple of years, is, is – Any more like the mascot, though, because of his father? Uh, I think he's on a 10-day contract. He's been – I think he was with the Knicks for a minute. He's bouncing around. But if his name was was Atkins or DeLambert, he wouldn't be on a roster. So Portland – at the end of the day, Portland smokes him, right? Oh, I don't have any doubt. Yeah, it, but I do at the same time think it's going to be a great showcase. And I don't think – you know, maybe he has a moment like Jordan did. If you think back to Jordan against the Celtics in the playoffs where they get beat by the Celtics, but Jordan goes for, what, 61 yeah. You know, against Bird. I think that to have a national television platform for Donovan Mitchell, he is going to raise his uh, the awareness that, the, that the, the general public have of him, and people are going to be like, oh, my God, this kid's been doing this in Utah all year? Yeah, he has. He's yep. nasty. We'll see you for the final half hour. I'm Krista Lambert. Brandon Atkins is from the Cheap Seats, coming to you from Sanford, North Carolina. See you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to the Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Final half hour. If you're listening on WBLZ, continue to march. If you're listening to the podcast, thanks. Share it with your friends. I we have we have beat the West into the ground in the NBA with the way the playoff picture is shaping up. Before we get on to the East, I want to talk about something, Brandon. We hadn't had a conversation with this. Last year what we did was we reached out to news outlets all over the country and had them make the picks in our mock draft for the NFL. Oh, yeah. And the NFL draft is about three weeks away. But I want to do something different this year, and we've got enough loyal listeners I want to extend the opportunity to everybody out there, and we'll do it on a first-come, first-serve basis, and then we'll pick up the pieces. But I want to, I want our listeners to make the picks in the first round of our mock draft. And we'll credit you online. We'll hook that up, but I think that'll be fun. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Sounds it? like a great idea. All right, so – 
somebody's yep. going to get to make the fourth, the first and the fourth pick. Because if you pick the Browns, you get to make whatever pick you want. And we're not going to do any trades because that just complicates things. But as we get close and we pull the trigger, and it will take a day or two to get all these picks rounded up. So we'll, we'll kind of draw a line in the sand and we'll go from there. But if you're interested in making one of those picks, send us an email at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. There may have to be an arm wrestling competition for the Steelers because we've got three or four people I can think of right off the top of my head who think they are the be-all and the end-all when it comes to the Steelers. So I'm putting it out there, and the first email that comes back gets to pick the Steelers. I'm just saying because you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can put a full roster of all of the teams together that have a first-round pick. I'm going to have to check it out because there's only 25 or 26 that have number ones. But if yeah. you're interested in making the pick for your team in the first round, we'll do it in order. So we'll do it online, and we'll shoot, and we'll you know give you a window to make your pick in, and we'll put this whole thing together. You know, if they had uh, counted Jesse James' catch as a catch, they'd have won the Super Bowl this oh year. Oh, my God. Well, that's something, probably not this show, but we got to talk about this new catch rule. I, it makes my head hurt. We'll, we'll hit it next show at the no, beginning we won't. because we're, yeah, we're fatigued right now. But um, I, am, I am literally running on fumes. And I do want to say that everywhere I've lived in the country, and, and you guys give me grief because it's a significant list, I have thought that I have found the worst pollen place in the country. <laughs> But I went this weekend. We left out Friday morning in my wife's truck. We rolled out, went to Mississippi, visited Ole Miss, came back, and I come home last night, and I'm like, where's my car? Where's my car, dude? Because there was a yellow car sitting in my driveway. My black Audi is now yellow. I've never seen that much pollen ever. You know, the the whole thing in North Carolina, there's always something to complain about the weather. Um, you know, there's another old saying that if you don't like the weather today, just wait till tomorrow. Well, and everybody, everybody says the same thing about their own weather. Here, it's a little truer than other places. But this pollen situation, dude, I never had allergies in my life until I moved here. Some people think that there's have been saying for years that there's four seasons here. There's there's cold, nice, pollen, hot, nice cold so is that six i think so i'm lost cold again and cold again so it's seven seasons in north carolina i didn't something like that something like that there's a couple of pollen season lasts for like six months it's kind of crazy this year it was cold and it's still we're both rocking shorts today but i walk outside and i'm like it's not quite that nice yet and It's, it's coming Across the street, there's a car wash. I'm like, people, why are you washing your cars? We, They're going to be yellow. They're, they must be from out of town or something. They must it's, be, but we got into the wrong business. First of all, the radio show. I think that was a good decision. Sure. The restaurant, I'm starting to second guess that because maybe our next venture should have been to buy a car wash. Because oh, Because yeah. right now, those guys are killing it. Yeah. There's a new there's a new chain one that nobody knows about that's coming. I know that's not the sexiest thing, but I'm a commercial real estate there's a big time fancy chain car wash coming here. So apparently apparently there's a lot of cash to be made by washing cars. Well sure. 
I'm you not going to, you know, we talk about the, the car washes that are in town. Every time I go to my car wash, I'm like, God, I wish I owned a little piece of this. Because they're killing it. Heck yeah. So the, the last the, time for the for the, for the the mock draft, we're going to do it in a couple weeks. The time and date will be identified. But choose your team, send us an email, and we will hook it up. We would say we'd give out shirts for this, but I think we ran out after Dude. the uh, NCAA tournament bracket. We will sort through that, and on Wednesday next week, by then we will have figured out who all these brackets are, and we will get you your shirts. I think we're on the hook for about a dozen. I don't okay. know, 10, 9, something. We love giving away shirts, we, and I've got a whole trunk full of them, so we're good. We're in good shape. But, uh, yeah, maybe and maybe we should, like, rally around a couple of adult beverages somewhere and get as many people on the ground as we could for this draft Always and do it do. that way because everything goes better with beer. So Heck yeah, bro. I'm thinking it's a good idea. You want to talk about the East? I do want to talk about the East, and what I want to talk about is that the grand prize Toronto's going to get for – winning the number one seed in the East, maybe to play Milwaukee in the first round. And that's not much of a prize. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. Right now, Miami is tied with Milwaukee for the eighth seed. Miami gets the tie break, or for the seventh seed, rather. Miami gets the tie break. So right now, the bottom of the of the East, you've got Indiana at the five, who's solid. They're going to be the five. Or the four, or the three, but nowhere lower than the five. Below them, Washington is a game up on Miami and Milwaukee. John Wall's back. The argument can be made that, you know, Washington was playing better without him, but whatever. Washington, Miami, Milwaukee, they are your six, seven, eight. Detroit is hot, but they're not hot enough. They're not going to catch any of these teams. So six, seven, eight, Washington, Miami, Milwaukee. If I'm Toronto sitting at the one seed, which looks like a foregone conclusion at this point, Boston conceivably could catch them, but I don't think they will. If you're DeMar DeRozan and the Toronto Raptors and you have your choice between Washington, Miami, Milwaukee, I think it's a no-brainer the team that you want to play, but I'm interested to see what you have to say. I mean, you know, the Heat's a number one of those teams, I don't know how they're doing it with who who are they doing it with? You know, I mean, you look at the roster, nothing jumps off on the page. I would think that I don't know if it's a no brainer because you got John Wall coming back with the Wizards. Milwaukee is not a team I would want to play at all. I think you called it early on that that is a trap game for anyone. The one thing I'll point out in the East, the Raptors haven't quite secured the number one seed yet. That they is not. Up, that's up in the air. Celtics are two games back, and they've won six in a row, so they're hot. But no team in the East needs home court advantage more than Toronto. It just hasn't meant the same to Toronto. They've only lost seven games in their own house. And so I think it's absolutely critical for them to have home, field, home court advantage throughout the playoffs, because if you look at all the other teams, it's almost 50-50. I mean, obviously you win more at, at your, in your own house than away, but it doesn't seem to mean as much for the other teams. It doesn't. Toronto, that home court advantage is important, but it's going to be interesting as this unfolds in the first round to see which one of these teams gets the better, better matchup. Because if Toronto gets the one and has to play Milwaukee, but – 
Boston gets the two and gets Miami, I think Boston through the first round has got to be tickled about that. However, that said, when you look at the next round, it's going to depend on where Philly and Cleveland fall because those are the two enigmatic teams in the East. Philly, with Embiid back, is the team nobody wants to play. Right. Nobody wants to play them. There's no upside to playing that young Philly team who's got Markel Fultz back now. They're sort of trying to figure out what they're doing with him. But with Embiid, Simmons, Fultz, Covington, Sarich, you're talking about a nasty, nasty ball club. And I apologize to a Philly fan because six weeks into the season, I wrote him off and said, I'm tired of hearing about him. I'm tired of seeing him. I am tired of seeing him. I'm not going to lie because they're keeping teams like Utah and Milwaukee off of the television. But this Philly team's been hot. They're hot at the right time. The injury to Embiid may actually be a blessing in disguise because you're keeping him off the floor. You're not going to hurt his back or his feet. And this facial injury is just something that's going to take a little bit of time. Well, t- 10 games ago, their record was 36 and 30. Guess what it is now? 46 and 30. They haven't lost in their last 10 tries. And, you know, had it not been for an 8-2 and two run by Cleveland, they'd be secured, you know, firmly secured in the third-place slot. And that's still up for debate. Like you said earlier, Philly's likely to pass the Cavs, and I agree, if they're going to continue to play like this. Now, Embiid, when is he coming back, Chris? They don't know. They're saying two weeks. So – I would imagine they will find a way to get him back for the start of the first round, but I would imagine at this point they're just going to shut him down. They'll shut him down for the rest of the regular season. They That takes away trying to manage his minutes and all the rest of that. And we saw coming out of the gate at the beginning of the season, this guy is so big, so powerful, so life. They don't, he doesn't need the reps. They're no. good. They've got no, enough he of that as the season's gone on. They can keep him on ice and sort of milk this – Orbital bone fracture. Well, and the thing about it is, is the fact that he has missed some time actually plays to his yeah. benefits because he's been there. He comes right back and he plays like the best, you know, obviously the best big man in the league when he's the, when he's good. The only suggestion I would make is wherever he is, I'd keep Markel Fultz way away from him. I'd keep them <laughs> separated because they hurt. He, he hurts people. When he's trying to celebrate. It's just one of those things. And and how this plays out for the next couple, well, the next week and a half, is is going to be telling because Indiana's a half game back of them for the four seed. But with the momentum that Philly's got, if Philly can keep it going, Philly's just the team that, that nobody wants to play him. And I'm not going to be shocked, honestly, given all of the injuries to Boston and how down I am on Cleveland <coughs> – if Philly finds a way to win the East. And I don't believe I just said that. I'm not predicting that they will. But it's not going to come as a completely out-of-the-blue shock at this point if Philly finds a way to win it. So, in the East, I think you've got – who's your favorite to win the East? Is it Cleveland? Are you still on the Cleveland train? You're talking about playoffs, right? Yeah, I'm talking about who's going to win Who's going to win the East. I say Cleveland wins it. Look at Boston right now. 
I would say Boston if Kyrie were playing. In the playoffs, you can go through a regular season with their current roster. But in the playoffs, this is what was so great about Kyrie, that if Cleveland had just given him his due, and if LeBron had just stopped patting him on his head like he's robbing his Batman, he'd still be in Cleveland. But they never did want to give him his due. LeBron could literally, in the last couple of years, go into cruise control and say, Kyrie, take us through this one. And now they don't have it, and neither does the Celtics. All right, we'll wrap it up. we got it. 15 minutes to go. Thanks for hanging out from the cheap seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats as we put a bow on this week's edition. And, uh, Brandon... Yes, We've sir. done it. Hey, man, we still got 15 minutes left, so yeah, we not. could screw this up completely. And and uh, you know, and you know, it's just a completely different vibe because there's so much going on, and whether any one person's talking at a time, there's silliness in here, and this has seemed like straight business. This this the show in some ways probably not as entertaining, but definitely more intelligent <laughs> and um, less grumpy. Less, less grumpy, grumpy. and um, so David Kaplan won't come in here yelling us. I just was about to say the same thing. Are we going to – do you want to talk? I don't know that I can talk about it. What I was going to say as a joke, here come the Masters and here comes Tiger. And then that so, was going to be the golf segment. Well, here come the Masters and here come Tiger. But Dave has put together a challenge for us. All right. And, and what we're doing, and I'm assuming this is just for the Masters and not for the rest of the season, but he's given us five tiers of players to choose from. Okay. <clears throat> and the total money won at the Masters will determine who the winner is. And Dave apparently is – providing something cool in the way of a prize for this. So I'm going to run through Dave's picks real quick. And he's got, and I'm not going to bore you with who's in each tier until mm-hmm. we make our picks. But Dave's got Tiger, Justin Rose, Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, and Fred Couples. So that's his five. Brandon, I'm looking at the, the groups here. In my group one pick, and we can have overlap here, mm-hmm. my brain tells me to take Justin Thomas, but I can't not take Tiger. So I'm taking Tiger. In the second group, we have Dustin Johnson, Rory McElroy, and Justin Rose. I'm taking Dustin Johnson, period, without any hesitation. The third group, Mickelson, 
Bubba Watson, Sergio Garcia. I'm taking Sergio. So I got. I guess I ought to write these down. So I've got Tiger. I'm, sit, I'm sitting here trying to figure out if I know enough golfers to make a list. Well, it'll be fun. Trust me. I'm just waiting to see what uh, what kind of prize Kaplan's got in store. And in the fourth group, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Paul Casey. I'm taking Ricky Fowler. I have a feeling we're going to have like some real overlap here. And my seniors past champion is longer. I'm taking the German. Bernard Longer. And that's a that's a, a shout out to my kids who actually have dual citizenship. Two of my kids are German. Did you know that? Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Yeah, they could like compete in the Olympics for Germany. All right, so who do you have, Brandon? I just have so many questions for – there's so many good questions that I could be asking David Kaplan right right now. Why is this the smallest field since 1998? I know he could answer that question, and he's not here to do it. You know what I'm saying? I think the fact that Kaplan's not here probably means Trent's fired. So I'll take – I think I just got to take Tiger right now just because it feels right. I like um, – let's see. I'm just worried that somebody's not going to be in this field. I'll take Sergio. I like Justin Thomas. Wait a minute. Who did you take in the second group? Your second group is DJ, Roy McElroy, oh, okay. and Justin Rose. I take uh, McElroy. McElroy. Oh, you're taking Rory. I'll okay. take him because he's finally gotten a win. You know, I think he won two weeks ago. All so. right, and you want Sergio from that third group. Yep. Group four is Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Paul Casey. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with Jason Day on that one. All right. And your past champion group. Couples, Longer, Lyle, Omira, Singh, Woosnam, and Olathebal. Who you got? I'll take Couples. I can't pronounce the rest of those. <laughs> All right. Come on, Freddie. So, Kaplan, we have entertained you. And I'm glad that we said something because I have got to uh, tease a category for trivia. If you're playing trivia with us at Libations on Wednesday from 6 to 8, your teased category is going to be, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Let me look through my bag of tricks. There's going to be a Foo Fighters category. And this will not be a musical identification round. This will be actual questions about the Foo Fighters. One of these things is not like the other one. Just like that. Just like that. So, yeah, the Foo Fighters will be your teased category at Libations Wednesday, 6 p.m. We play from 6 to about 8.15. Delivery service is available from the Steel Pig. Call over there. Place your orders. We'll be delivering between 5.30 and 7.30 over there. So handle that. Um I got to get – go ahead. You got, Everybody's invited to come out to Libations. It's free to play. You can have up to five people on your team, drink a little beer, play for cool prizes, and uh, and hang out with me. It's not an, it's not an all-bad time. This is our left, left field, but I got to give a good <laughs> shout-out to the rant because they ran a bunch of uh, April Fool stories. And I have to tell you, I was just waking up when I read that um, – who was it that play, played? They said really famous band played Depot Park, and it was before I moved back to Sanford, and they got me. 
first no thing way. in the morning. They got me. It was only for a second. And then I was like, oh, man, they got me. It was a Radiohead. <laughs> That's how stupid I am. Like, Radiohead played Depot Park. But uh, it was 2001. I didn't move back to Sanford until 2000, almost three. So I was like, how in the world did I m-? Oh, my God, they got me. I love me. it. So are you a, are you a uh, April Fool's guy? I think it's fun. You know, I do every once in a while. I've been able to pull some off, but I already have kind of a jokey personality. So people see it coming from like a mile away. I'm I'm not super dry. So I haven't gotten got in a while. My favorites, though, Google is the best at this. Right. And, you know, they did the Google motion where they said they were rolling out software where you could send emails just by making gestures with your hands that right. was pretty cool the google smell apparently you know crossed a bunch of people up the best picture i saw was uh tony romo with a super bowl trophy in his hands <laughs> that was the best april fool ever i love that one more time guys for the mock draft we're going to do this in a couple weeks more details to follow but we're looking for volunteers to execute the picks for their favorite team, the team that they think they know the most about in the world, because you know how NFL fans are. They think they're more qualified than any beat writer or anything anyway. So you guys will be making the pick. Um, send us an email at cheapseatradio at gmail.com, and we will put that list together. We'll unveil it as it unfolds and keep you guys up to speed. Any teams that are left out there, because I don't know where we're going to find fans for some of these teams, man. I really just don't. There, hey, man, this is slowly becoming, because of our um, close proximity to Fort Bragg, there's a lot of – there's a potpourri of fans That's here. That's an excellent point. Um, we didn't talk baseball. Ball. You sure you don't want to talk about Soche Antani? <laughs> his name will never be the same. It'll never be the same. And he did How make his debut that? as a pitcher. Shohei Otani. Okay, and he, sorry. And he made his debut as a pitcher – um, he went one for five as a hitter, hitting from the left side of the plate. He went, uh, what did he go, six innings, gave up gave up three-run homer, but uh, was impressive in his debut and is uh, the odds-on favorite for your rookie of the year. It's going to be fun to watch this guy try to do this, play offense and pitch. Um, I'm excited about it, and I think it's good for the game. It raises sort of the the um, just the public awareness of baseball and what's going on. There are some things I've already seen with the game that are just pissing me off. The fact that now there's a limit on how many visits to the mound can be made, I don't like that a bit. Um, That's followed on the, you know, that's coming on the heels of eliminating intentional walks where now you just point down to first base. That feels awful men's softball to me. Um, Please leave baseball alone. Please just leave it alone. It's been around for 150 years as America's pastime. You're not going to be the NBA. You're not going to be the NFL. Baseball, enjoy what you have going for you. Embrace your traditions, and people will find their way back. If you keep screwing with the game, all you're going to do is run people like me off. I will tell you, there's one thing. First of all, who loves you? I created a situation where you could talk some baseball. I know, dude. Um, The one thing, the players themselves could improve baseball. Allow bat flips and celebrations after home runs. I mean, come on. Are you that stuck up on yourself where if somebody hits home run? I mean, I saw um, I saw someone hit uh, – it might have been Bryce Harper hit a home run 
after somebody yelled overrated behind behind his back and he hit a home run and he reached almost all the way down to the ground to put the bat down out of quote unquote respect of the game. Get over that, man. People people like to see end zone celebrations. The NFL figured it out. Even Roger Goodell made the call about bringing them back. It makes the game better. That's it just does. my cry for help for for baseball. I agree, and I think the old school, the the crusty segment that was like, you know, respect the game, act like you've been there before. Dude, it's twenty eighteen. Dude, it act didn't like start you've been there like before. The- like you had a doggone celebration scripted for just that moment. From the time you were four years old. That's how I feel about it. And if you want to stop somebody from showboating and embarrassing you, beat them. I mean, that's not how baseball started out. Babe Ruth was calling shots. You know what I mean? Like, how do we get to this point? Like, that's the thing. I, that's the problem I have with baseball and golf. Too many, like, unspoken word rules. Get over I yourself. That, I think the thing with baseball, and we've talked about this before, the problem is, is that the equalizer in baseball used to be the brushback pitch. You go out there and you flip your bat. Next time that pitcher sees you, you might put one in your ear. Well, as time has gone on, we're, you know, we're a kinder, gentler nation. And the fear of being hit in the ear is gone. So it's easy to look at these guys and be like, you know, hey, just tone it down. Because they can do it and there's no no, no possible I mean, if, retribution. If, I don't know. It's just kind of lame. If you hit Tom Selleck with a baseball, you best tip your hat or he's going to charge the mound. Tip your hat. What, which movie was that? Mr. Baseball is that what it's called? Know. I love that movie. It's a good. It's a rabbit hole movie. Like it you're like, is. I don't want to watch this, and then you watch the whole thing. I, I know, I know, and I love the fact that you know the manager is his girlfriend's dad. Who saw that coming? It's amazing. What great writing, Tom Selleck, Mr. Baseball. It's awesome. So who's the better baseball actor, Tom Selleck? Kevin Costner. Oh, Kevin Costner. Not Kevin even Co- I can't do Kevin Costner. If you just took Bull Durham by itself. Oh, man. Bull Durham's something else, but it's, you know, just one on the list. Thanks for hanging out. We tried our best. We'll see you guys next week with a full house, I'm sure. You've been listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.